today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. not standing before the throne yet. We don't see and we don't experience the greatness of that majesty and the glory and the splendor and just the overwhelming of all the senses that we'll have. We don't see that. But do you see what I'm saying as far as where our worship is and really where it could go? Think about it for a few moments with me. When we come to a time of worship, in our services, do you think that anybody, say, visiting here or stopping in would go out and tell somebody they were all crying out with a loud voice? Have you ever visited a church and were just blown away by how deep into worship the congregation was? Pastor David desires the same to be said for all of us. When someone comes to visit our church, would they be taken by our utter worship of God? we should want to be in that place. If we're already there and we're getting the sweetest communion possible, that's wonderful. But if not, let that be our prayer. We don't have to be a titan of faith to be close to our Lord and know who he is. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 7 with today's edition of The Open Word. As we're looking through Revelation, God is going to take this 144,000. We're going to read a little bit more about them a little bit later in Revelation. It's going to speak again about what's going on with them and, again, their relationship. But for right now, we look, we have of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, guess how many were sealed? 12,000. Okay. Uh, of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. And of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 we're sealed. Now, we look at this, and the first thing we notice is Judah. Was he the oldest son? No, he wasn't. Reuben was the oldest son. I wonder why they list Judah first in this. The rest of them are pretty much in order. I wonder because the Messiah came from the tribe of Judah. David came from the tribe of Judah. The Messiah came from the tribe of Judah. There's another little thing here. Dan is not listed. The tribe of Dan. And instead of Dan... They have uh, Manasseh. Manasseh was one of the two sons of Joseph. And they list Joseph, but also one of his sons. They don't list anybody else's sons, but they do take away Dan. Some have said, well, well, that's because Dan was guilty more so than any of the other tribes of continued idolatry. 
And so, again, the curse against him was that, you know, he was going to lose his standing. Some have even speculated that Antichrist may come out of the tribe of Dan, since they were so filled with this whole idea of idolatry. We don't know for certain. There's a lot of stuff as we start looking through both Old Testament and New Testament that speaks about that the Antichrist will have some Jewish uh, background to him. The one thing we do know is out of each of these tribes, there's 12,000 for a total of 144,000. Do you think that 12,000 is just a ballpark number, or do you think it's specific? I believe that it's specific. Through my years, even as a pastor, I've kind of gone back and forth on this. I thought, well, 12,000, why 12,000? Maybe maybe that one was, you know, 11,985, but it's close enough to 12,000. But the more I look at this, the more, the more I understand that it's just so specific, tribe after tribe after tribe. Instead of, hey, uh, they gave out of Judah 12,000 and out of Reuben thousands and out of Gad thousands. And, you know, he, he pretty well specifies 12,000 and then he adds them all up to give us the fact that, no, it's 144,000. Why in the world would God do such a weird specific like that? Would you like to know that answer? When you find it, let me know, and uh, we'll go from there. I don't think it's any more than just the specific purposes and plans of God. That this is a God thing, and, and he's doing something that you and I you know, wouldn't figure or even be able to do. It's interesting, the false teachings of the Jehovah's Witness. They really go big with this 144,000. For them, pretty much, it's the limit of the ones who will actually reign with Christ and spend uh, eternity with God, 144,000 in heavens. Everybody else is going to be here on earth. And again, the problem is not only is that wrong, but there's no way that we really see that kind of an impact with this 144,000. There's nothing that even leads directly to that. We just don't see it in Scripture. So again, it's just one of these things. It's just kind of pulled over in chapter 14. It talks about them being with Jesus, but that's not the reigning and ruling. As a matter of fact, it speaks that the saints will reign and rule. That's what we read in the Bible not these 144,000. Well, after the sealing had taken place, the second part of this whole vision comes into play, and that's found down in verse 9. John says, and after these things. So he starts verse 1 with, after these things. There's the situation, the four angels holding the winds. The other angel, no, wait, we've got to seal them. They go through, they seal the 144. How long does it take to seal 144,000? I don't know. But again, remember, this is a vision that John is uh, taking. Good, God have done it, bam, like that. Absolutely, with not a problem. But it's after that. There's some time frame going on there. After these things, verse 9 says, I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. John saw a crowd of people. So big that you couldn't even number them. 
You know, on Washington, D.C., they've had these, quote-unquote, million-man or million-people marches on there, and sometimes it's like 700,000. They say, well, that's pretty close, and all these kinds of guesstimates. How many could that be? I believe there's more than a million. I believe that you, you look at something like that, it's just such a vast, vast array. The thing that I love about it, too, and we spoke about this, I think, a little bit over the last couple of weeks, it is from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people group that there is. And again, speaking of the width of God's redemptive plan. And some would say, no, it's a very narrow plan and that there's only an elect few. No, I believe that God's redemptive plan is very wide. Not everybody takes advantage of it, unfortunately. But God opens it up for people from every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue. That had to be such an awesome sight. This vast sea of people standing before the throne of the Lamb and then crying out with this loud voice. It could have actually been even singing at that point in time. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. If it were singing, or not, if it's just crying out to the Lord, what a great worship experience. That had to be phenomenal. That many that were rising up, because it says they cried out with a timid voice. Is that what it says in your version? Um, anybody got New King James version? New King James, anybody? Tell me, what kind of voice does it say it has? Loud. Uh, what about a King James version? Anybody have that? What does it say? Loud. NIV. Loud. No matter what version you have, they are crying out with a loud voice. Why in the world would you cry out with a loud voice? I think two things. You want people to hear what you're saying. And secondly, you are so excited about what you're saying, you cannot contain yourself. If you go to a sporting event... How many of you, every once in a while, maybe it's your children in soccer or volleyball or whatever, how many of you ever get excited at a sporting event? Any of you at all? Any of you at all? Have you ever spoken in a voice that's probably a little bit more than what you would normally talk in private company? Go ahead, raise your hands. Okay. Why in the world would you do that? Why? Anybody? You're excited about it. You can't contain it, whether it be your child that's doing it or, or your favorite team or you even get caught up in the madness sometimes, don't you? I mean, you might be a very quiet and timid person. Now, most people look at my wife. I don't know if she can hear me or not, but I'm sure that some of you will let her know later. She is a very, very quiet person. I mean, even at home, she's a very quiet person. And she's not a big sports person. But if she watches, like, the Dallas Cowboys, and they, I know, I'm sorry, uh, hey, you know, it's, it's the Dallas Cowboys, um, and they, like, score something big or do something good, she, like, goes nuts, okay? I, but she gets that from her grandfather. Her grandfather was from Texas, and, uh, but, again, somebody very quiet under normal cases, and all of a sudden, yes, yes, yes! Or sometimes it's like knocking down or, you know, those kinds of things. But she gets, she does get excited. I think you and I, there has to be things in our life that get us excited, that just 
man, it just suddenly, wow, that is just so awesome. That is just so wonderful that we can't even hardly contain ourselves. And then we come into church and we worship. Can you catch where I'm going with this? It was such a powerful time of worship. They cried out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This huge mass multitude, no one could even begin to remember. But that's not all there was. It was such a powerful time that it drew others of the host of heaven into this worship experience. Look at verse 11. Some of the angels that stood around the throne. No, that's not what it says, is it? All the angels that stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures. These are all the people that we've seen earlier on in Revelation. The four creatures, the 24 elders. You see these, all of these. And they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Remember when we talked about when in chapter 4, when John was ushered up into heaven, and there in chapter 4, we read beginning in verse 7 about the four living creatures, and then verse 8, the four living creatures, each having the six eyes and full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, and then whenever they start worshiping, then the 24 elders fall down before the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns at the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. A great Massive time of worship. And then we come over here and we see suddenly this massive multitude crying out with a loud voice and all the angels suddenly join in and the elders join in and the four living creatures join in. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I believe they were drawn right into the worship as this great multitude of individuals started the worship. Let me ask you this question. Does your worship and your worship experience ever draw anybody in to worship? Does your worship of the Lord cause the angels even to join in? How stifled, how stiff, how structured Our worship must seem to the heavenlies. I'm not scolding you. I can't even imagine it. And I have friends in other church traditions, and they think we're wild. Okay? Okay? (laughs) So, uh, you know, so you, you can just imagine, wow, you know. If the heavens are so rejoicing that, man, they're just crying out with loud voices and just declaring they're falling on their faces, they're casting their crowns, they're just giving this great, great glory. And 
all of a sudden it's Sunday morning or Wednesday night or it's your private worship time or whatever, and heaven looks down and says, look, Joel, Phil, Bob, Sally, Jane, whoever, look, they're, they're entering into worship. Really? Is that it? Is that all? Now, granted, okay, being fair to all of us, myself included, we're not standing before the throne yet. We don't see and we don't experience the greatness of that majesty and the glory and the splendor and just the overwhelming of all the senses that we'll have. We don't see that. But do you see what I'm saying as far as where our worship is and really where it could go? Think about it for a few moments with me. When we come to a time of worship in our services, do you think that anybody, say, visiting here or stopping in would go out and tell somebody they were all crying out with a loud voice? They were all worshiping with a, with a full heart. Some of you guys that have internet capabilities and you probably spend too much time watching silly videos on there. Not that I would ever do that. But uh, you may have seen the YouTube videos that are called Dance Like Nobody's Watching. Okay, And what that is, is they'll go into shopping malls or airports or bus stations or train depots or just out on a busy street, and they'll put earbuds on, and they'll have their iPod or their phone on, and they'll have just really moving music, and everybody else is, you know, just doing their thing. And all of a sudden, this one individual, man, they're just going to town, just going crazy, just dancing to whatever music, and people are looking at them like, that's, what are they doing? You know, they, they see the earphones, but they're just going crazy, dancing like nobody's watching. In other words, it's like, you know, this is how you would dance if you were at home and you had the stereo cranked and you know, ain't nobody going to be home for an hour. I'm just going to enjoy this thing. I know some of you, that's like really stretching your emotions, but just bear with me for a moment. And I'm not really recommending, you know, the videos, but the funny thing is, is that most of the time, People just don't get it. In fact, they try to ignore it. It's like, whoa, you are like really, really weird, and you're in my space right now. Dance over there if you must dance. But every once in a while, somebody will get it, or they'll try to get it. They'll kind of figure, okay, I got the beat of what they're doing. I don't know what they're listening to, but I've got the beat down. And maybe they might try to enter in, but it's really kind of hard even for them to enter in because they don't have the beat. They don't have the music. Can I tell you guys, if you know Christ, you have the music. You have the music. And you know what? I think some of us need to start worshiping like nobody's watching. Okay? Now, bear with me. I, I, I know you don't want to get weird and wacko. I understand that. But here in the heavenlies, John sees this great multitude that nobody could number of all the nations, of all the tribes, of all the peoples, of all the tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and with palm branches in their hands, and they break out in spontaneous worship crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And it's not that nobody's watching. They actually have an audience, don't they? The one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
I think that's how we ought to worship. And we, so many times we come in and we're either so stifled and structured on our own, but at a football game, you know, yes! But I wouldn't dare do that in church. Somebody might see me. So you know what I do? You know what I do personally? I sit up front and I close my eyes. Okay? And if it's a song that I don't know, I look a little bit. And I try not to look around. Number one, I don't want you to disturb my worship. I don't want my worship to disturb your worship. Because I'm not doing what I'm doing to impress you. I want to impress my Lord. And it's not even impressing him. I just want to be able to express. Everything I see in the word, Old Testament. Do you realize that Old Testament Jewish celebration was like crazy wild and loud and trumpets were blaring and people were crying out and the hands lifted up and all kinds of, you know, things that we think, oh no, prim and proper and to the point. Otherwise it couldn't be of God. That's too much of the flesh. More often than not, our worship, yeah, even here at a Calvary chapel, and we're, we're even different than some other Calvaries, but more often than not, our worship is pretty confined, constrained, and contained, all very neatly packaged. Every once in a while, we'll have a sister raise her hands and maybe swaying or turning a little bit. Some will clap, and others are afraid to clap, and some we wish they wouldn't clap. But the worship, for the most part, is very, very mellow. And again, don't get scared. Don't get scared about this. Because I know what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul says that God's not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And then a little bit later in that same chapter, he says, let all things be done decently and in order. I understand that. You've got to know me a little bit to know that I understand that. But at the same time, let me take you through some Old Testament passages really quick. David declared in Psalm 5:11, "But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy." They're shouting, why? Because they have a reason to shout about. They have a reason to get excited about. Let those who love your name be joyful in you. And I gotta tell you, church, sometimes, if I have to, like, leave the worship service and come back in, sometimes I wonder, are we really joyful in Him? Or are we just kinda going through the motions? We need to be a people of joy and fullness. And I understand that some of you could not carry a note in a five-gallon bucket. I understand that. But there's nowhere here that it says you have to sing beautifully. But he does make a joyful noise to the Lord. David wrote in Psalm 32, 11, he says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. In Psalm 35, 18, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. I will praise you among many people. I want you to think about yourself, just yourself right now. When you come in and it's a time of worship, do you really enter into worship? Open. 
We've come to the end of our time together for today. But if you're not ready to be done yet, you can find additional messages from The Open Word. Pastor David is here to share how you can continue listening. Hey, thanks, Chris. We love getting the Word of God out to as many people as possible. All the teachings you hear on The Open Word have been preserved on our website. You're welcome to access them. Visit theopenword.com to listen to or download the messages God has supplied from His Word. That website again is theopenword.com or you can search for The Open Word Podcast on iTunes and subscribe for free. I'd like to encourage you to take these messages with you on the go. You never know when you'll have a moment of peace in your day. So why not fill it with God's Word? I hope you continue to study the Bible and that it continues to bless you and fill you with His joy. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad these resources are available to us whenever we want them. The book of Revelation is so often shrouded in mystery with its outlandish pictures of winged creatures by the throne of God and roaming the earth. As we continue to study, though, we'll be able to discern how these pictures all point to the one spotless lamb who conquered all through laying down his life. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, the lamb, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd love to share the greatest story with you, the one where God came down to earth to join in a relationship with us. That's all for today, but join us next time right here on The Open Word.